Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. All right, Vinny, you know what that music means. It's time for America's number one game show. Does the call stand or is it overturned? I'm your host, Damon Cotton. How are you doing today, Vinny? I'm doing good. Uh, not so good. I'm a little fired up, a little, little, little dejected, a little down uh, today, but uh, I'll keep it right there. Um, but that, that music does signify it's time to play Does the Call Stand or Is It Overturned? Damon Cotton has scoured uh the sports headlines and come up with some uh, hot topic um or hot button topics and uh, we're gonna find out if the call stands or if it's overturned Come on all right Vinny. i know you saw the news earlier today the nfl announced that the 2023 and the 2024 nfl combines will stay in its rightful place in indianapolis indiana the combine's been there for years but i know that there there is there is movement in the works Yes. That probably in 2025, it, the combine's going to be on the move. So my question to you, Vinny, is Indianapolis the right place for the combine to be each and every year? Does the call stand that Indianapolis should be the home of the combine? The call is overturned. The call is overturned. Why, Vinny? Because um, there's a lot of great cities uh, out there that are fully capable of uh, hosting uh, an event like that or a, um, um, you know, so so there's no reason why uh, cities shouldn't have the right uh, to be able to uh, bid for the hosting uh, duties. And I think that's that did happen uh, in, in, in this turn, but I think it was a little bit too quick uh, for, for the NFL to, to, to move off from Indianapolis for the next couple of years. So they're going to stay in Indianapolis, but I do believe that, you know, whether you're talking about here in Las Vegas, uh, Los Angeles, any 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 big city uh, should be able to uh, um, t- to host this type of event. I, I love Indianapolis. It's been great going to Indianapolis. I'm sure uh, at some point if they create some sort of a rotation, uh, it'll always be in the rotation. But to say that it always has to be at Indianapolis just because that's what we do, um, I, don't, I don't agree with that. All right, Vinny, let me try to change your mind here. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Combine, what does it serve the biggest purpose for? Like, who is the Combine for, in your opinion? Uh, the Combine is for uh, the players, that obviously, that are uh, trying to uh, prove their worth and their value uh, to a bunch of NFL teams. Also to the NFL teams. Um, it's a centralized uh, look. It's, it's really one of the most important things about uh, the Combine is the medicals, really, to be honest with you. Um, so it, it used to be, and the reason why they even created the combine was because it used to be teams would have to go, um, or, or, or a player would have to go from, from city to city, to city, to city, bringing his medicals with them, uh, for the, for that team to look at him and to, and to look at the medicals to see where he is, that player was, uh, health wise, it, it, it was, it was a big burden on the players having to do that. So the thinking was, let's, let's centralize it. Let's bring it to one place. Uh, where we have access to all the doctors and all the medicals, uh, so players don't have to be running around the country doing it themselves. Uh, so there's other cities that can that that definitely can handle even that uh, aspect of it. But yeah, it's for the players and and the teams. It, it it expedites it and it centralizes it and it makes it more efficient. All right, very good points there. So doesn't it make sense? Because if that was the case, if it was just about the medicals, it would just be one day we get we 
Basically, they'd wrangle in all the players like cattle and just say, hey, let's check, let's check, let's check, let's check, and get y'all out of here on a plane the next day. But they don't do it that way because I do think that some scouts still find the need to look at some of these measurables and how these players perform Plus on the field. Interview, the interviews, too. And the interview process yeah. as well. So don't you think that it just makes sense that it's in a quiet little NFL city like Indianapolis? Everything doesn't need to be about who, like, does a big city need to bid on this? Is there money involved? Fans don't even go to the combine. Yes, as they do is. now. Well, they it, do it now. This, been, this yes. year was about the and first they're year. Con- yeah, they're going to continue to do that. But if you're at a job interview, let's say in fairness to the players, if you're at basically the biggest job interview of your life, do you want people being there? Do you want people being there cheering or rooting for you? I, I'm just saying for the sake of the players, and I know you could say, hey, you got to deal with that on Sunday, but these need to be in controlled conditions where it's just the scouts, the team personnel, and not just, hey, I'm a big Alabama guy and I want to cheer on the Alabama guy. I actually think if you um, if you talk to the players, I, I think they do like the fact that fans are in there. Why? Because it just it, it jacks you up just a little bit more. Otherwise, it's just it's just like a 50,000, 60,000-seat um, stadium and a sprinkling of people, scouts and whatnot, very quiet, very subdued. I think if you have, if you you when you add the element of, of people there, it, it, it helps get the, uh, get the players uh, jazzed up. But when you're talking about, here's what I'm looking at. Yes, the, the players will be fine wherever it is. The teams will be fine wherever they hold it. But I think it should be open for other cities because it's a, it's a chance for other cities to be able to make some money and put people to work. Uh, hotels get filled, restaurants get eaten. Go to these events now that and and you know now that it's it's like a week long thing. There's a lot of money for the local economies uh, at stake. So I think it should be open to other cities to be able to make some extra money. I, okay, but the cities that are going to be on the list. I don't think that if it moves to L.A., I don't think L.A.'s economy needs another boost. I live here in Las Vegas. We both do. I don't think that Las Vegas' economy— you say that? Why, why well, not? Yeah, you could. Every, everybody, everybody needs Everybody a, could use a little boost yeah. to the economy. But I don't think that for a city like Indianapolis, I think that this means more. Let's use, like—I know this is a totally different example. When LeBron left Cleveland, you know, mm-hmm. it was just like the LeBron flick. This is going to affect Cleveland's, Cleveland's economy. If LeBron leaves L.A., LA's still fine. I understand. You get what I'm like, you know, it's a bigger impact for the city of Indianapolis than it would be for LA or Las Vegas. I'm I'm, I'm sure there is some some merit to that, but it doesn't always it doesn't just have to be LA or Las Vegas. We could be talking about Philadelphia, we could talk about uh Buffalo, we could be talking about Tampa, Florida, or you know, there's other cities is what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be Las Vegas uh, or Los Angeles. In fact, I'm not sure it does work uh, in LA cuz everything is so spread out. You definitely need like a like a centralized uh, type of a type of a situation going on, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that other cities should be able to jump in there, and especially now that it's being open to, to fans, um, I think I think uh, moving it around from city to city, make may, maybe make it a couple of years here, or a couple of years there, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think that uh, I, I think that's the fair way to do it. All right, Vinny, going to throw a curveball at you yes. here on this next one. Mac Jones has come. He's reported to Patriots camp. No surprise. There are no contract disputes or Mm -hmm. anything, but it's been said that he's in the best shape of his life. Mac Jones is, if so, barely 25 years old. If that, I don't even think he's 25 years old. Right, yeah. Is it a good sign that they're already saying he's in the best shape of his life? That's what you say about the 35-year quarterback. Like if Matt Ryan showed up to Colts camp and it was just like, oh, that's a good sign. Right. Matt Ryan's in the best shape of his life. You know, the 36-year-old, we want to see if he still got it one more time. Right, no doubt about it. does the call stand that it's a good sign 
that Mac Jones is in the best shape of his life. Definitely at a good 25. Sign. De- uh, uh, the call stands for sure. And the call stands. And um, I, I, I know, I know. Like you said, it, it's a good point what you're making. Like he's 25 years old, he should be, and all that. But also, the the New York Jets young quarterback has also added like about 14 pounds of, of muscle, and he looks he definitely looks bigger and stronger than he did last year i think he's up to 218 220 or something like that but it is important and i try to explain this to people i know you know when 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 you it's it's so funny to me or or interesting to me when you see a rookie like we're gonna see some of these uh raider rookies on thursday right i'm gonna guarantee you right now their bodies are gonna change over this next year why because they're this is a job now this is a 24 7 job and bodies transform you lose the rookie whatever baby fat if you want to call it that you start becoming a man you know uh and and being in an nfl program 24 7 as long as you're being diligent as long as you're being professional about it as long as you're listening uh to the nutritionists and the strength and conditioning coach your body is going to change for the better and that should be i mean the the, the same should be apply uh, to a quarterback uh, as well, because when you looked at him last year, he looked a little—I wouldn't say pudgy, but he—he—he he, he looked like a you know. Doughy is definitely the right okay, word. Okay, there you go. Mac Jones did look a little doughy last okay, season. Okay, there you go. So, um, uh, I mean, look at Tom Brady's body from where it was uh, when he first came out to what it you know ultimately become, and that's still a, 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 a evolution uh, even at this age. Uh, where he is right now but anyway it is important um, even for <laughs> quarterbacks but you definitely for guys like defensive linemen and linebackers as they start getting into their mature body also look at it this way go look at Kobe Bryant when he was 20 years old and then look at what he looked like when he was 27 go look at Michael Jordan these guys were babies when you think about it we don't we don't see that because we're seeing it in real time but it's not until you start looking back like five years before go wow he's really he really transformed his body and that's really that your body is your temple it's your commodity it's everything for a professional athlete and taking care of it um uh is is extremely important and yes so the call definitely stands all right Vinny. moving on this is from rap sheet on twitter there has been a change in the rooney rule the qb coach is now subject to the rooney rule that means it requires an outside interview with a diverse candidate now that's a big change because we see that the pipeline when it comes to being a head coach that we always say there are more black head coaches but we always say they're on the defensive side yes and that the offensive pipeline that's where the head coaches are being made mm-hmm. on the offensive and on the football so Vinny, does the call sting adding the quarterback coaching position to the rooney rule will make a change in black head coaches being hired in the nfl i'm gonna say the call stands and i'm gonna say i hope it does the call stands, and 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 you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that um, I think that it's it's important to start getting uh, more than just white dudes on the offensive side of the ball in the in in quarterback coaching, offensive coordinator. Uh, I think it's extremely important because, like you as you said, that's the that's where the trend seems to go be going. Uh, more and more um, head coaches have the offensive background. Um, and so I think that the more we diversify that, the more we expand that on the pool of coaches on that side of the ball, the better off it's going to be. And I think that, and I know I've seen on Twitter, it's not going to do anything. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist at heart. And, and I feel like 
The answer is not to do nothing or anything. I mean, we have to continue to keep chipping away at it, to keep trying to figure out ways uh, to improve what is a problem. And uh, if this helps, like I said, broaden um, the uh, the pool of candidates, then that's something that's going to be a, a good thing. I don't think that it's going to change anything for me. The call's overturned because you can say, hey, it's going to be a part of the Rooney Rule, but we've seen with the Rooney Rule with head coaches, I know we always talk about sham interviews or is this person a legitimate candidate anyways? So I do think that even if you do broaden the scope of, hey, they need to interview for this certain offensive assistant position or have an offensive assistant, you can always say, we brought the guy in for an interview. So in that case, I do think that it will be more of the same of, hey, you know who that guy is that you, you want to poach over this young assistant from whichever team, you know, Team X. You want to poach the young the young hotshot assistant from Team X, and you know you want to bring him in because your quarterback coach just left to be an OC somewhere else. So I don't think that, hey, you're going to turn down Team X just because of this new Rooney rule that says you have to interview a diverse candidate. Well, um, you know, uh, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, um, but I'm going to respectfully say I hope you're damn wrong about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope you're wrong about everything that you just said turns out to be completely false, because if that's the case, then progress, real progress is going to be made. And I'm like I said, I'm going to I'm an optimist. We're, we got to keep chipping away. We got to keep chipping away. There's got to be a breakthrough. There has to be something that leads more people to making the right decision for the right reasons um, rather than just getting caught in a rut or the cycle or whatever you want to call it, uh, which has been happening far too often. So I'm hoping, Devon, and I say this all with all due respect, that you're completely wrong. All right, Vinny, moving on to the NBA. The playoffs are in full swing. And last night, before we move on to tonight's game, yes. let's talk about last night. The Boston Celtics put a whooping on the Miami Heat. Yes. There was six minutes left in the first quarter, and the Heat still had only had one point in the first quarter. And if you're asking, is it good? It's definitely not. <laughs> one point throughout the entire first right. half of the first quarter. Ooh. I think I saw a tweet where it said, I think it'd be better if they had zero. <laughs> than to just have one. Yeah. Because that means you just knocked down one free throw. Exactly. So, Vinny, does the call stand that the Boston Celtics are now going to win this series after you saw the shellacking that they put on the Miami Heat last night? A Miami Heat team that I will add, were they had more of their starters than Boston had of their regular starters, Boston having two starters sitting out. So, does the call stand that Boston in this series? I'm going to say overturned. The call is overturned. Um, Miami has the home court advantage in this series. I think it'll ultimately come come down to that. We've seen such fluctuations uh, in this series, but I think ultimately if it works its way to a game seven, uh, the Heat are going to be in the best position to win that game having the home court advantage. But I, I will say, um, you know, obviously the to me the, the Golden State Warriors have proven so far in this playoff series um, or in, the, in this playoff to be the best team overall. I'm just wondering, Damon. I mean, I know it, it happens, it goes in cycles, and it's all good. I'm not blaming anybody or downgrading anybody, but I just don't think we're in an era right now where there's any really great, just great team. Um, and it's and it, it hasn't been like that for for a while. Like this is a new a new time for me. For you know, when you talk about like the last let's there was there were just great teams, and I don't I don't feel like we're seeing any great teams right now. 
somebody's going to be a champion because you have to you have to crown a champion. Yeah, because someone has to win. What what are your def what's the definition of a great team? Like the Warriors that won 70 freaking games, like the Bulls that, that team won. didn't win the championship, the team that okay. won 72 but games. But we know that that was a great team and they got beat by a great player in LeBron James, just who was the best player on the planet, no doubt about it. And that was a, that was a pretty darn good Cleveland Cavaliers team too. And they didn't have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love and was were those team. Laker teams that went back to back in uh, 09 and 10, were those great teams or did they just have Kobe, the best player in the league at the time? Um, they weren't as great as the Shaq era teams, no. Um, but they were pretty down. They were, they were, they had some, those were, those were good teams. They weren't um, the early 2000 uh, Lakers. They weren't, I don't think, the Warriors that we saw with Kevin Durant. And those were, to me, like the Miami Heat. I know they lost. Uh, a couple of series, but those Sacramento teams, I mean, those San Antonio teams were great. I don't see any teams like that right now. I don't see that caliber of team. Even with this Warriors team, I, I you know, Clay isn't the same player that he was. Uh, I love, I love the Warriors too, and I love you know what they've done. But I just don't feel like there's that super great. Just oh my gosh, that's the team you got to beat. That's the team you got to hunt down. Um, I think we're just talking about some some pretty darn good teams right now. Yeah. What do you? Uh, what, what's your argument? You think that this can 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 any of these teams beat like those early two thousand uh, Laker teams? The Shaq. Maybe the, not, but can maybe, any of these teams beat the Warriors from with with Durant and that team? No, the, you're talking of all time great teams. Yeah, but then if you stack up I every think, team, like you, if you want to rank every team that's won an NBA championship, and then maybe rank them. From one to ten. Let's do it right now. Go, right. go do it. I, I like how it's always up to me to do the research well, on this just stuff. call up you, NBA champions. I, I, know, I, I, was I, there, I know what I saw to do, <laughs> but it's just always the, hey, I've got the I'm gonna say right now. Just go look it up. I'm going to say right now that you're going to be talking about some of the all-time great teams when we start looking at, uh, and I don't think that this group, and I, I'll, I'll say the same thing, I don't think the Lakers team that won a championship a couple years ago is among that group. When you're talking, I mean, like like the, the Philadelphia 76ers team with Moses Malone and Dr. J, all-time great team. Those Celtics teams, all-time great teams. Those Lakers Showtime, all-time great teams. Um, I just I just feel like we're in a little bit of a down period. There's some really good teams, but no. The Milwaukee Bucks from last season. No. The Los not. Angeles Lakers, the bubble team. No. You already said no. No. The Toronto Raptors with Kawhi. No. Golden State back-to-back. Yes. Yes. With Durant, great team. Oh, definitely. Cleveland, when they knocked off the 72-win Warrior season. They, they were know? pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're that was, not that... great. The first Golden State team, where they beat LeBron because LeBron yes. had two players yeah, injured. Yeah, they were, they were fantastic. Yeah. That's not an all-time great team. LeBron, you don't think so? two, two of the starters for the Cavaliers were out. If K-Love and Kyrie are that's playing true. that series. I give you that. I give you that. I give you that. Uh, those 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 were battles. Those were two great teams that were playing against each other. Unfortunately for the Cavaliers, they lost a couple of their players. The San Antonio Spurs team that defeated the Heat in LeBron's last season in Miami. With Dun- yes, definitely. Duncan and uh, Ginobili and Tony Parker. That, that, was a, that was a great team. The Miami Heat, they won back-to-back. Yes, won yes, against OKC. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. The Dallas Mavericks they defeated no, LeBron. They just got hot year. on the at the right time. Uh, they were they were a good team that got hot at the right time. So you're saying that there are no great teams, but half of these teams in this decade, in the past decade, I'll just stop there. You said that they've been great teams. I think so. Maybe there's always an ebb and flow, but. Up until three years ago, you said that there was a great team winning the title. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think there's been some cosmic shift. 
I just think that we're in an we're we're in a state we're in a period right because now. Because there's more parity in the league. I don't know. I just don't. I, there's there's always been. I, no, there's there oh no, yes, there. there Devon Cotton. Don't even do not even challenge me on that one. Yes, there have been. There has been parity with, but there's also been two, typically two extremely good teams and a lot of parity below that. Um, if you go through th- through the history of the NBA. Um, and right now, I just think we're in a kind of a lull, and I'm. And I don't. The NBA is better than it's ever been right now. I don't. I yes, it is. I disagree on that. Yes, it. It's you, not better you, than you it's guys. ever y- been. Yes, it is. No, it's not. There's no. Yes, it is. <laughs> the, uh, the NBA is always at its best when there's just a team that you have to say that's the team that everybody has to beat. I truly believe that, and it creates even ratings for this play also up seven. over the that's past great. five years. Yeah, yeah. More people are watching this year. That's that's than they have that's in the fine. past couple. That of doesn't. Years. The, that doesn't. That doesn't mean that there's You're a... throwing out a hypothetical that there's no there's way There's no all-time great team right now amongst this group. There's no group. way and to I don't even see you're saying. You're saying that, hey, it's been... That's just your opinion. That that's, not a pro- that's not a provable fact. Obviously, it's an opinion, but yeah. what you just said... I, we just named all the great teams that these teams would not have beaten. Like, the great teams of the NBA. And I don't even see that there's a great team on the horizon. Like, who's the great team on the horizon that's just going to be a decade-long... Kind of like the the Warriors. They're sort of phasing out, but they've been pretty good for a long while. There's who's that your team? answer right there. There's a team that's about to make the finals as they... As they get a sweep of the Dallas they, they Mavericks. kind of remind me of that Laker thinking, team that you talked about in 2009. Yes, I'm giving you that. But you're saying they're not a great team. This they're is a, a great this is team. A dec- they're not an all-time great team. All right? Then you're splitting hairs. I'm not splitting hairs. There's a difference. There's a difference between that 2000, those those early 2000 Laker teams and the ones later on in the decade. There's definitely no way that those Laker teams with Gasol and Kobe beat the, the 2001, 2002, 2000 Laker teams. I right. think the fundamental argument here is I think everybody that's over the age of 40. Just no, 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 no. Anywho, Vinny, you like can that. take don't, it on don't, That's a lazy excuse, and yeah. you know that. No, no, no. And and there's there's I don't see any – I still won't see also on the horizon. I see some good teams and some really good players, and I'll give you that. There is parity. But I don't see a super team coming along uh, anytime. Any, any, I just don't see it on the horizon unless somebody forms one or something along those lines. I, st- I don't even see a LeBron right now. Um, in the NBA, like I see some really good young players, but who's the LeBron right now? And I'm not even going to put Luca in there. He's a, he's been a great young player, but he's not. You know what I'm saying? Like who's that guy? Who's coming along? That's that's that guy. That's the the, the leader of the pack. Who would you say? I, I we had the same conversation yesterday. I said Giannis. He's coming up. He had two back to back MVP seasons. Nikola Jokic had two back to back MVP seasons. That, you, doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that. Is that not establishing dominance? I don't know what you no, want not from really, these players. Not like, Even LeBron, not, if you say I'm he not, was the I'm best, not mad at him. Or he was the best. Yeah, but you say LeBron, all this dominance. How many rings does he have? Four. It's it's hard. How many MVPs does he have? I I don't even know. But we do we do we need to? You know, we know what LeBron is. He's a he's a one of the all. He's going to be one. He's going to be a top five player in the NBA, right? Of yes, all time. but I'm saying is Giannis is 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 is, is 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 your guy from Denver is a top five player ever. It's still unwritten. He's not even Come 30 on. years old yet. You, and you know how you Prediction. wanted, to, you wanted you, to say Giannis, but you know why you didn't? Because his resume is I don't think stacking. that he's a top five guy ever. When it's all said and done, no, I think. No, I, I do not. No, 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 no. Somebody's got to leave. Callers, if you're out there. Somebody's got to leave out of these Giannis a top five everybody all-time from, player? Everybody that played from 85 to 96. No. You, everybody Kevin played. Durant, to me, is a top six, top seven player. 
You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila. I'm not age. This isn't an age thing. It's a talent thing. That's all it is. I'll When the next guy comes along, I'll be the first to say that. I always am. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and by Hodor Radio Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We are talking Raiders. We're talking NBA. We're talking NFL, Pro Bowl. What are they going to do with the Pro Bowl? Lots to talk about uh, here on In the Huddle, and we're going to go out to the uh, Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend who's going to try to make some sense of it all, maybe even uh, the NBA. And we're talking about Greg Bedard for the Boston Sports Journal uh, was nice enough to uh, join us in the huddle. Greg, how are you doing, my friend? Good. What's up, Vinny? Greg, what are we to make of the uh, the NBA playoffs right now? Um, you know, the, the the Celtics all of a sudden, you know, uh, they came, they sprung back to life uh, last night uh, to to beat the Miami Heat. Um, I think the Warriors obviously are going to win on their side of uh, of of the playoffs. But what do you what do you what are we to make of the, of these NBA playoffs right now? I don't know. They're boring as hell to watch. <laughs> I can tell you that. And like, you know, last night, for instance, I was at the. I was at the Celtics uh, Heat game on Saturday night covering it, and, uh, you know, I mean, the the Heat just took it to the Celtics, and the Celtics weren't ready to answer. I mean, I could, I could tell you from a Celtics perspective, um, and I don't know if it goes with the other teams, but, you know, the Celtics just are a little bit immature with all this. I feel like they don't, they, they don't know how to handle success well. And I, I, remember, I remember covering the Packers years back in, and Mike McCarthy, sort of when the Packers all of a sudden rebounded, they went through a couple, a couple tough stretches somewhere around like, you know, 05, 06. Um, McCarthy was hired in 06. 07, I covered the team. They went to the NFC Championship game with Favre. And I remember McCarthy coming back for 2008. That was Rogers' first season as a starter. You know, McCarthy talking about, you know, the most important thing is, is how you deal with success. And I didn't really understand it at the time, but I do think there's a lot of validity in that. Uh, like, you know, when you're an athlete of a certain stature, you know, you, you've learned to overcome adversity in your life because you've, you've gone through it um, at different levels in terms of athletics. But, um, you know, dealing with success, uh, people, you know, telling you you're great all the time, um, people telling you, oh, now you're going to the NBA finals and all this. I think that, some athletes, especially you know, with the young younger stars like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and things like that, I think that uh, some teams lose sight of that, and I think that there's they, they've lost that sort of let's just grind it out sort of thing and just play you know one game seasons. And I think I can tell you, it seems like the Celtics have been a victim of that because you know they stunk on Saturday night. You knew they were going to be great last night. They looked like the Heat were like, all right, let's go back home. We already have home court advantage back. You know, it'd be nice to have one competitive game in this series. I could tell you that, uh, yeah. other than them just being non-contest basically in the fourth quarter. We're talking to Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal. Uh, I've been having this discussion uh, with my uh, producer, Devon Cotton, and he's in his mid-20s. So, um, you know, and I'm not trying to be an, an age person. Uh, I call it like I see it, and I love uh, every era of all sports and find the merit in it and the greatness in it. 
But I just feel like um, right now in the NBA, we don't, there's no great team. There's some good teams, some really good teams, and some really yep. good players. But are we missing that element of the just a flat-out great team right now? Yeah, I think so. And I also think, um, you know, I don't know how the West is going because I haven't been paying close attention to that. But, you know, in the East, I mean, you know, whether it was the Bucks series, the Bucks didn't have Middleton, um, which really hurt them. Mm-hmm. The Celtics have had, you know, Rob Williams, who's a tremendous, uh, especially on the defensive end of, uh, of the court. You know, he's been in and out with a knee injury. The Heat have been in and out with Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, um, you know, Kyle Lowry, you know, all these guys, uh, you know, P.J. Tucker even, who's a good role player when he's out there. But, you know, it's almost been, for some reason, the NBA has turned into a war of attrition. And yeah. I don't know what it is and it just it'd be nice to see these teams at full strength i mean i, I completely you know, agree. i don't remember the lakers and the celtics having to worry about you know is uh is magic johnson or larry bird going to answer the the bell until they were later in their careers and it's just it's a little bit frustrating that you don't have these great teams at full strength yeah and i don't I, I'm, i've been trying to put my finger on that it just seems like that battle of attrition has uh, becoming it just keeps becoming a bigger and bigger battle, especially this year. Like you said, there's just a bunch of guys that have been hurt, and I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it's just bad luck or or whatever the case yeah. might be. So um, uh, we don't know, um, and uh, we'll 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 see who who ends. I think it's going to be the Golden State Warriors, but you never know. We'll see uh, how it all uh, goes. All right, Greg, back to the uh, to the NFL. Uh, obviously, um, we've got uh, OTAs or yeah, OTAs opening phase three of of the offseason program. Uh, started this week. It's an important time of year. It's not a critical, the biggest time of year, but, you know, important things are, are happening. And I want to start where DeMond actually started uh, just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, Mac Jones apparently is in the quote-unquote best shape of his life. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've gotten a chance to uh, to see him. Is there a noticeable difference in the physique of uh, Mac Jones, the quarterback of the Patriots? Yeah I, yeah, I would say he's noticeably more trim. He's cut some body fat. I mean, he's a he's a kid who last year talked about how much he loves ice cream and <laughs> stuff like that, which isn't exactly, you know, ideal for a professional athlete. And, you know, you, you see it with a lot of these guys that, uh, you know, while the training table has come a long way on the college level, it's still not the same as being a professional athlete and, and this being your full-time job. And I think a lot of guys – that first year, don't really know know what all that entails. And, you know, Mac even talked about, you know, his diet and sleep and things like that. And, you know, there are a lot of guys who come into this league who don't know much about sleep, that they're just happy to be professional athletes with money and they're going to enjoy it and the girls and the things like that. And, you know, I think the, the, the guys, how quickly they learn to be quote-unquote professionals, and that's in, in all their, you know, sort of facets of their game on and off the field – the quicker that they can become sustained stars. And I think it's, it's good that Mac Jones is doing that. I didn't have any doubt that he would do that. Um, you know, now we'll just need to see how much it translates to the field in terms of, you know, he needs a little bit more arm strength, uh, you know, things like that. That's hard to tell in glorified walkthroughs like we're getting right now. But, um, you know, knowing Mac Jones, he is going to put his best foot forward for this franchise because, quite frankly, I think they're going to need him – to be a lot better this year without Josh McDaniels, um, with what's going on on the offensive side, they're going to need him to be lights out, uh, or this could be a very long season. 
Greg, speaking of quarterbacks uh, and specifically AFC East uh, quarterbacks, um, you know, Josh Allen is obviously uh, the lead dog uh, in that regard. Uh, but there's some young quarterbacks uh, elsewhere from the New York Jets to the Miami Dolphins to uh, your uh, the team that you cover, the the, uh, the New England Patriots. Who among that group do you feel uh, is best positioned to really take a big step forward this year or can we expect uh, any of the uh, quarterbacks that we just mentioned uh, in New York, in Miami, uh, or in New England to take a big step? Well, I mean, it's it's a good question. I would say that, um, you know, the, the Patriots, I think, have done a better job of surrounding, you know, getting Devontae Parker, surrounding Mac Jones with talent around him. You have Johnny Smith in year two. Hunter Henry is also in year two. Same with Aguilar. Um you know, Kendrick Bourne, you know, last season was a big year for them to bring in guys. You would expect them to be much better this year in terms of the system. But, you know, I got to tell you what's going on post Josh McDaniels with their offensive coaching staff has uh, a lot of people concerned um, around the team. You know, there are, you know, people around the team talking to people outside, players talking to people outside. And, you know, because right now the way they have it, the way it looked on the first downfield is, Joe Judge is going to be the quarterback's coach slash passing game coordinator. Uh, he has pretty much zero experience with that. And the last time he coached on the offensive side, 2019, with the wide receivers, before getting the Giants job, he was special teams coordinator slash receivers. It was an outright disaster to the point that other people were doing his job. So he's coaching Mac Jones. Matt Patricia is doing the offensive line, which I don't have an issue with. But, you know, in the first practice, you had Joe Judge calling some plays. Matt Patricia calling some plays and Bill Belichick calling some plays during team periods. So it's, you know, is he going to be, is he going to have the best coaching around him? And now coaching is part of the reason why I want to say that you can be optimistic about Tua because Tua may be limited as a passer on what he can do, but Mike McDaniel from being under Kyle Shanahan for many, many years, uh, you know, has a proven track record of, you know, putting an offense and players around quarterbacks that can make them successful. Now, now he's being a head coach. We have no idea whether he's going to be a good head coach or not. But coaching the quarterback, you would think that would coach him up. They got Tyreek Hill, so they've also done a good job of surrounding him. Um, you know, Zach Wilson in New York, um, I thought he got better as the season went on last year. They got definitely got him some weapons. I like what they did in the draft. But the thing is, is like, is his offensive line going to be good enough? Uh, to give him the time to be successful. So I think you can make positive arguments for all three of those guys, but there are also some pretty big negatives uh, potentially for all of them as well. Talking about the New York Jets, they they kind of fascinate me for some reason. Uh, I, I feel like yeah. um, they've got you know the, I feel like they've got the right leaders in place, uh, and that's that's so uh, such a big part of the battle here. Um, do you feel like? They're finally ready to maybe turn the corner and at least start heading in the right direction. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, you know, they, they have plenty. I, I, I really worry about their offensive line. I mean, you know, they took a, they took a tackle in the fourth round and Max Mitchell, you know, they have Beckton when he's out there, the first round pick from 2020, I mean, the kid's spectacular when he's out there, but he's just been hurt all the time, talking about a guy who you know, might not know how to be a pro all the way around. And you know, right now they're lining up with George Fant at left tackle. You know, I'm sorry, that didn't work for Russell Wilson in Seattle. It's not going to work for Zach Wilson in New York. You know, I do like 
the defensive personnel that they had. You know, they got Sauce Gardner. They also got Jermaine Johnson in the draft. Uh, you know, Garrett Wilson, they got the receiver. They got Brees Hall, the running back. You know, they did, they did really well in terms of talent. I think they have talent all over the place. Um, you know, I do think they're going in the right direction. I think the offensive line is going to tell whether they're just – they take a step or are they seriously going to make a run at a playoff spot or not. Talking to Greg Bedard, our good friend from the Boston Sports Journal.com. Uh, Greg, we finally are going to be able to uh, get at least a glimpse of uh, the Raiders, this version of the Raiders, uh, here in uh, late May. And we're going to do it on Thursday uh, out at the practice facility uh, in Henderson. Um, if you were in my shoes or Raider Nation's uh, shoes, uh, what would you be keying on um, in those first couple of days that, uh, that, that we're going to get a glimpse of this Raiders team? Well, you know, I, I don't have any, you know, issues or worries about Josh McDaniels in the offense. I mean, I know he'll, he'll figure it out. They'll probably have to start very basic, you know, to sort of teach them the scheme. So I, I would expect that uh, to progress, you know, in the rest of OTAs, mini camps, and then in training camp. I mean, I know Josh will have a plan. He's been through this before. He's been through this with different versions of the Patriots offense where, like, you know, and you know, he had Cam Newton in um, in 2020, where you know, and not much talent around him, and you know, the, he made them competitive. Last year, he had a rookie quarterback and a bunch of new guys in the offense. So he has two years running. He has practice from starting an offense basically at ground zero with a new quarterback and teaching them the system. And you know, they, he's done well with that. You know, trust me. To me, I, I'm more interested when I look at the Raiders on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I have immense respect for Patrick Graham and his intellect and, you know, the type of, of coach he is. Uh, you know, I think going from, uh, you know, sort of Gus Bradley and that scheme to what Patrick Graham is going to do is going to be a, a, a serious departure uh, for everybody. And, and, and it's going to, you know, a lot of guys new, learning new roles, you know, what's asked of them on plays. So, to me, sort of seeing, you know, how they're teaching that, where are guys lined up, uh, what are they going to be asked to do, who's holding down the nose, who's going to be asked to two-gap. Um, you know, to me, that would be the most interesting thing with the Raiders because the offensive progression is a given to me. Uh, you know, certainly I'm sure you'll be watching Devontae Adams and seeing how he flashes with his old, you know, college buddy Carr. Um, you know, we, we know that'll happen, but Defensively, I think they have a, there's a lot of puzzle pieces there, and they got a lot to figure out on the defensive side. Great, uh, given that division that they're in. Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, last question for you. Um, you know, the offensive line, the Raiders didn't really go out and and address it in a major yep. way. Uh, they drafted Dylan Parham from uh, Memphis. I think he's going to get a chance to uh, compete pretty early for a starting job. Uh, Thayer Munford, the tackle from Ohio State. But aside from that, it's pretty much the same cast uh, of characters from last year. Um, should Raider fans be worried about that? Or, um, or or is that sort of how, I mean, when you look at Patriots' offensive lines over the years, it doesn't seem like they went out and made big, major moves along the offensive line. They kind of were a development program and took guys from here and there and were able to meld it together. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to tell, you know, with the Patriots, and especially when Dante Scarnecchi was the coach, you you could bank on them taking whatever. I mean, I just went through this because I was critical of the Cole Strange first-round pick. Not that I don't think he's going to be a good player. Right. And he'll start immediately, and he'll be a good player. But I just, 
I don't see the the the, the value in picking a guard in the first round in this day and age in the NFL when you know when Don, when Dante Scarnecchia was here and you know they're winning Super Bowls. You know they had in 2014 they had Dan Conley who was undrafted at left guard. They had Brian Stork, a rookie fourth round center, immediate starter at center, and they had Ryan Wendell, another undrafted guy. So you could figure that out. Um, you know the the line coach there he he doesn't have as as long of a track record. He's certainly been coached the same way. I do know that he's a guy that Josh McDaniels wanted. Um, I do not think that his his contract was up in New England. I think that um, you know that was more of a pursuit by the Raiders, and uh, which Belichick certainly allowed to happen. Um, but you know there are a lot of pieces there to fit. I mean, I'm just looking at you know the the depth chart over at our lads, and they have Jermaine Illuminor at left guard. I don't know if that's true or not, but Illuminor was a guy who was here who was kind of meh. He was all right, you know. But uh, you know Dylan Parlon. Parham, uh, certainly a talented kid in the draft. I think if you're looking at a guy who's going to play right away, it's him, and I think he would help. Uh, you know, Colton Miller's always been solid, not spectacular, but, you know, I think they have the pieces there. Um, you know, they're just going to have to fit them. I'm not overly worried about the offensive line, and plus there's nobody better as a play caller than scheming around an offensive line if he needs to than Josh McDaniels is. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how it plays out up front, uh, and then also uh, what you know, like you just said, uh, how the scheme of of Josh McDaniels, how that uh, can help maybe you know mask or around uh, whatever issues might be might be happening up front. Greg Bedard, thank you so much for joining us in the huddle. Always appreciate it. Take care, my friend, uh, and we will see you and talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, Vinny. You got it. That was Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal. Always a pleasure to talk to him. I think he's going to be out here uh, in August when the Patriots come out this way, and uh, there's going to be a joint practice with the Patriots and the Raiders. Uh, cannot wait uh, to see uh, to see all that, to see uh, Bill, Coach Belichick out there um, kind of going head-to-head, toe-to-toe. Uh, although he'll he'll be working more probably – no, actually it will be. It will be Josh McDaniels and, and, uh, and, and Bill Belichick, unless Bill Belichick's taking control of the Patriots' offense, which – it seems like he's calling plays right now. You've never seen that, so I'm not quite sure exactly what's going on with that Patriots offense or who's going to be doing what. Maybe maybe uh, Bill Belichick's going to be the de facto offensive coordinator. Isn't that going to be uh, something to see? You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. So, Devon, the NFL is uh, looking at ways to um, redo the Pro Bowl, try to create some excitement um, for it. Uh, the commissioner uh, talked about how the, the, the game itself doesn't work. Uh, we need to find another way to celebrate celebrate the players. Um, I see it from the players' perspective. They don't want to be out there tackling and putting themselves uh, in harm's way during the Pro Bowl. So I understand where they're coming from. Um, but if what do you think about uh, different ways to, to spruce this thing up? Or, or is it even possible? I don't think it's possible because I think any event that's going to involve physical activity, players are going to be hesitant to go all out. So whether that be, hey, man, how about back in the 80s or 90s where they would have, you know, the contest or 
we're going to run the 40-yard dash, or we saw right. it this past season where they tried to do a race between a few con- contestants. No one really ran that hard. I think Micah Parsons won that contest, and I don't think he's the fastest pro bowler in the and NFL. What about the game itself, though? Well, the like, game itself, like I said, but my point is to be like there is no way to spruce it up right. in the game itself. Because as long as there's physical activity, physical competition involved, players are just going to take it easy. Yeah. So it, I don't think that adding more events to the weekend or the game itself, like maybe adding a bigger bonus towards it if you make the pro bowl or if your team wins the pro bowl i don't think that there's any incentive that's going to make players say hey we're going to go out here and play like it's real yeah and i think the nfl understands that and i think that's why they're contemplating just removing the game itself from i think just make it a flag football game i'm well maybe part of the thing is just hey fans this this these tickets are going to be that's another thing i know that the nfl always wants to make their money because there's also the thing with with um preseason tickets just put these tickets at a reduced rate because fans are going in there to just see a glorified all-star game and make it a flag football game and i know that the 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 nfl won't profit as much but if you want fans to go at all i do think that reducing the ticket price and just saying hey it's going to be a flag football game and maybe add some more tv aspects have the players mic'd up as you've seen before and in previous games, have the players mic'd up, have it be an all-star, have it just be a flag football game, and that's a way to make it a little bit more fun because we won't, we know that there's no way for them to make it more competitive. Yeah, um, and, you know, t- to me, the only all-star game any anymore that is competitive is baseball, and it's, like, it's, it's because there's no tackling, and there's even in the NBA, they're letting guys, nobody's playing defense. They play hard those last, like, six minutes. Yeah, but, but prior to that, they, they really don't, and it's still not... Like like in baseball, the guys, you, you know, you you get your one inning. Guys are throwing ninety seven, one hundred miles an hour. Guys are trying to hit as hard as they can. There's no, there's no. I mean, there is always an injury factor, but it's not like an injury factor in the NBA um, or or obviously the NFL. And even in hockey, that's why you see scores of like thirteen to eleven. You never see that in a regular season hockey game because nobody's playing defense. Um, and like. So so baseball has the best format because it's the least of the physical sports, and so guys can still play as hard as they normally play um, without any real, you know, unless you got just totally bad luck and you get hurt. Whereas in football, anything can happen on any play, and the same same thing with the NBA. What do you think of the NBA All-Star game right now, the game itself? I like, I like watching the NBA All-Star game. I know people think, oh, well, they're just, yes, let me see a bunch of players, the best players in the league, just go out there and throw themselves alley-oops. Let me see people test their limits and see how shoot, see how deep they can shoot. Yeah. And then, hey, the last six minutes of the game, play. we'll play for real. As long as they, yeah, yeah. Um, it's usually like five minutes, the first five minutes, and then kind of a snooze, snooze fest, and if it's close. And I, I do like the way the NBA changed the format, too. It, it created a little bit more... Uh, you know, competition. I don't think you're ever going to be able to get that in football, and I get it from the player's perspective. So I'm not sure what you can really do other than, like, even with the NBA, you've got the you've got the skills contest on the Saturday before and the dunk contest. There's some work that needs to be done in that. Maybe paying some of the better players to be more involved in it. Uh, but at least, it's a whole weekend. The NBA All Star Weekend is great. Uh, but the baseball All Star Game to me is still great. But nobody ever the Pro Bowl is just. Eh. You know, they're, they're you don't want to be that player that hey, this, it's a contract year. You have the best season in your life. You make the Pro Bowl, big contract coming this off season. That's great, and then you you blow your knee out because you exactly. want to make a big play in the Pro Bowl game. Right, it's not it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to do that. So um, you know, 
I don't know what to do, but maybe there, maybe we'll come up with some ideas, uh, Damon, uh, as the weeks uh, uh, go on. Some way to spruce it up, uh, the Pro Bowl. You're in the. Oh, just want to say thanks to Greg Bedard. Uh, thanks to Ryan uh, Yakamoto for joining us. Uh, thank you to Devon Cotton for doing the great job that he always does. We're back at it tomorrow, four to six p.m. in the huddle. Brought to you by Tequila and Bajor.